If you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 26, will be our passage this morning. And thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Good to see some new faces, not new faces, so to speak, but new faces back. And I said it last week, it's going to be exciting as we see each of you returning to God's house. So if you're back for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. The sermon today is a part two from last week titled, We Have Issues. And last week we talked about a little man named Zacchaeus who climbed a tree, but he was trying to climb life's ladder, if you will. And he was elevating himself and he was being quite successful himself, but on the inside he was failing and on the inside he was falling Jesus found him after he had climbed into a tree and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, why don't you come and let me go with you to your house? It always makes a difference when Jesus passes by. It always makes a difference when Jesus, if I can say it this way, comes to your house or to my house. And Zacchaeus found the transforming power of Jesus Christ when Jesus came and visited him at his house. We saw last week where Zacchaeus stood up and said, if I have cheated anybody, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to give to the poor. And it all reflected that his heart had changed. You see, when Jesus passes by our way, our hearts will change. This morning, there is another man that I wanted us to look at in the gospel of Luke, who I was calling a cutter. And I asked you last week, I said, maybe through the week, try to figure out who this cutter was. And that was a little bit of a trick question, I guess, because in the account of this man who lived in the tombs of Gadaria, in the account in Luke, it does not mention him cutting himself. But if you look at the account about him in Mark, you see that he was a cutter. And we'll read that scripture in just a moment. But Jesus passed his way and made the difference. But before I get into all of that this morning, I wanted to talk just a few moments about the process of cutting. The process of cutting. Let me say it this way. Some people help and some people hurt. Now here I'm going somewhere with that. Some people help, some people hurt. God help us today in this very divisive culture in which we live to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. A physician's cut, an incision that is made by a physician, that cut, although it's painful, although we have to go through a recovery process and we can be very sore for many days or even weeks after a physician has cut us, a physician's cut, a physician's incision is typically a helpful thing. It's typically a thing that will bring healing over time. As opposed to maybe cutting oneself on a power saw or a power tool, that type of a cut is not typically a helpful cut. I thought of another example that's uh, just very profound. Uh, I got my first haircut uh, in the last three and a half months the other day. The first one that Donna didn't give me. And so just a sidebar, if you would indulge me, I looked at the lady cutting my hair and I said, um, my wife's been cutting my hair during the quarantine. Has she done okay? How's my hair look? And I'll give Donna two thumbs up. She said, one of the better haircuts I've seen during the quarantine. So, so if this whole principle thing doesn't work out, maybe she can, can uh, cut your hair $35 a pop. In fact, if you are up for it, we'll, we'll set you an appointment today. 
I, w- <laughs> I wondered how the hairdresser was gonna cut around that mask. And so, you, of course, you had to take one down and they trim around the ear and put the other and back. But a hairdresser's cut, a hairdresser's trim is a useful thing when it's a skilled hairdresser cutting your hair, as opposed to maybe a toddler with a pair of scissors cutting his or her own bangs. Anybody have a story about that? Seems like ever at the first service, everybody just started shaking their head. Yes, yes. So a cut can be a good thing. A cut can bring healing, but a cut can also be a hurtful, painful thing. But let me tell you this, that God's cutting, God's pruning is always helpful. Can I get an amen this morning? God's pruning, God's cutting is always helpful and it's never hurtful. John 15 and two said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And you may say to me this morning, Pastor Greg, I have become more diligent about my walk with God, or I have become more faithful in my calling that God has for me, but yet over time, I feel like that things are being taken away or relationships removed or opportunities diminished, and I don't understand it. It seems as I focus more on God, I'm losing things. Perhaps it could be a season of pruning. Because you see right here, God says that every branch that is bearing fruit, what happens to it? He prunes it. He prunes it, why? So that it can bear more fruit. Let me just be encouraging to all of us this morning that there will be times of God's pruning in our lives, but there's gonna be a great harvest of fruit that's gonna come after he has shaped us and pruned us. You see, prune does not, pruning does not take away the beauty of the fruit, it just enhances the beauty and enhances the multitude. Now this morning, I wanna take that concept and, and, and take it away for a moment from us as Christians. As Christians, we face pruning, God corrects us, God grows us, shapes us, cultivates us. But let me take it over for a moment to those who may not know Christ yet, those who we would call the unsaved or the lost, those that are seeking but haven't found the relationship with God yet. And let me tell us all, and it's a, it's a, maybe not a shouting message this morning, but it's a sobering message maybe more than anything, that those who live around us who do not know Christ, they're not experiencing that pruning in their life. They're not experiencing God working in their lives to try to make things better and many times things will go progressively worse. You see, sin is a bad thing. Sin is a powerful thing. And I wanna tell us this morning very clearly, we have a real enemy. We have a real enemy. His name is Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever we, name we use, but he is real. The Bible says he goes about like a, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the sobering thought this morning is that us as Christians, but those who are not Christians as well, have a real enemy. And he, can I just say, he plays for keeps. He, he wants to destroy us. He does not want to help us. He doesn't want to even just barely hurt us. He wants to destroy us. We have a real enemy And for those who, maybe you're sitting here this morning, I don't know, and you don't know Christ, or maybe you're watching this morning on Facebook and you don't know Christ, I wanna urge you, I want you to understand, 
Apart from Christ, we are so vulnerable to this enemy who desires to kill us and to steal from us and ultimately to destroy us. You see, we have a real enemy, but we also have real dangers. We have real dangers. Sin will destroy lives. Sin is destroying lives. And I ask each one of us this morning to make certain we're following Christ. Make certain we're focusing on him because sin will destroy I put it in my notes this way. We can either go through pruning from God, that process of of pruning and shaping and cultivating, or we'll end up over here going through the entanglements of the enemy. Don't let any one of us think for a moment that we are immune from the enemy's devices and schemes and plots. He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to make us like this man In Gadaria, he wants to make us bound. Jesus came to set us free. We've we've sung about freedom all morning. We sing about freedom, some different songs, but the same concept at the nine o'clock service about freedom and the spirit of the Lord bringing freedom. But the enemy comes to bind us and to to put us in chains. And here here in Luke chapter eight, we see a man who lived among the tombs a man who was bound by the grips of sin. Before I read in Luke, let me read what Mark 5, 5 says about this man. He said, always, night and day, he was in the mountains and he was in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. The pain on the inside was so great that he inflicted self-pain on himself, cut himself on the outside to distract himself from the pain and the bondage on the inside. The enemy plays for keeps. Sin will destroy. And here this man, I don't know his backstory. The scriptures do not tell us about his raising. The scriptures do not tell us about his young adult life or anything about what brought him to this place of bondage, but we do know that the enemy had him in great bondage. So much so that the scripture says, now we don't like to talk about this topic very much, but the scripture says he was demon possessed. How many? We don't know for sure, but he called him legion because a legion was a a name of a big unit within the Roman army. There were many demons inside this man. I want to tell us this morning, I don't want to try to be super spiritual or or scare you or this and that, but can I tell you there are evil spirits, demons that are in this world today. And they are out to get us. They want to oppress or they want to possess. And I'm afraid there are people today in the world who are possessed by demons. There are people in the world today who are oppressed by demons. But the Bible reminds me that Jesus came to set us free. And demons have no power at the name of Jesus. Demons have no power when Jesus passes by. And I believe now more than ever, we need to stand guard as individuals, as churches, for our children, for our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren. And we need to take a stand and say, no longer is the enemy going to get them or bind them up, but he who the Son sets free shall be free indeed. 
And I believe that we have started this mandate here at our church and we're not gonna stop it. We started right before the quarantine and we said, we are going to pray for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. I still believe Jesus wants to pass by their way and save their souls and fill them up with the power in the presence of God. I still believe Jesus can pass by. And I believe, and I I was talking to some folks earlier this week, and I said, we are not going to stop that focus. We're going to stay with it. We're going to pray, and God will hear our prayers. And Jesus, I believe he'll pass by. I believe no longer. It cannot be accepted. It's not in my notes this morning, but can I just preach today? I just don't believe it can be acceptable anymore that we just go Par for the course and accept it. Oh, that's just the way they are. Or oh, maybe one day. But I believe if we pray and believe that the Holy Spirit can still set the captive free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Would you read with me this morning our passage of Scripture? Beginning at verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadareans, which is opposite Galilee, And when he stepped out on the land, this being Jesus stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Let me stop there for just a moment. They can, if they don't mind to hold the scripture. Look at some things. Let's pull out some things from this little passage. One, he said, this man had been in this condition for a long time. Very simply, sin persists. Don't think for a moment that, that just dabbling in sin will, will be something that will have an impact for just a little bit of time or for a little part of your life. No, sir, no, ma'am. Sin persists. And this man found himself in a bondage for a long time. Sin is not something to mess around with and sin is not a short-lived thing in our lives. And unfortunately, the consequences of sin can last a lifetime. Thank God for the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. But you know what I'm saying. Some eggs just can't be put back together. They can be covered by the the cross and Jesus' forgiveness, but some things are gone, they're gone. Sin destroys, sin persists. Said here, he wore no clothes. Thought about that, he wore no clothes. You know what I thought about that is lost dignity. Lost dignity. Sin will make people act foolish. Sin will make people lose their dignity. The the effects of sin can take a beautiful young lady, but over time you can see her 30 or 40 years later and see the results that sin can do and addiction can do. And sometimes you can physically even see the damage that sin can do. He wore no clothes. Sin causes us to lose dignity. Nor did he live in a house. Now, I thought about that. Nor did he live in a house. He had lost stability. He had lost stability. Sin will rob us of our stability. Sin will rob us of relationships that maybe, just maybe, 
God intended to be in our lives for lifelong and sin will rob us of that stability. Sin will rob us of financial stability. Sin will take things away and make our future uncertain. And then it said, but he was in the tombs. He lived in the tombs. To me, that spoke. He lived in a place of death. He lived in a place of death. He wasn't dead. He was basically dead on the inside, but he wasn't dead. But his dreams were sure dead. He wasn't dead, but his destiny was certainly dead. He wasn't dead, but all the important relationships in his life were certainly dead. I wonder how many today would say, you know, pastor, I'm living among the tombs. I'm living in dead places. But I want to tell us the good news of the gospel is that Jesus can pass by our way. Jesus can speak life to our situations and we don't have to live among the tombs any longer. You see, he was a bound up man. But not only was he a bound man, but he was a broken man. I wanna be very careful how I preach this morning, but I can think of people in my life, you can think of people in yours, at one time, they were proud, dignified, bright future. But then another time you find them broken from the heartbreak of sin. We've all seen it. And it's not a fun thing to see. This man, he was broken. He was hurting. He was cutting himself. He would rather cut himself and feel that pain for just a few moments, as opposed to feel the pain that this broken man felt on the inside. But let's look and see what Jesus did with this man. Look at verse 29, I believe is where we are. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains, bound with shackles, but he would break the bonds and then he was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Let me stop there for just a moment and, and say, sometimes we try to help people and we just can't seem to help them. When I read this passage at first, I think, I, did, you know, I just didn't, you know, they're just trying to subdue him, but they were probably trying to help him. They were trying to, to bind him long enough that maybe they could try to intervene. Maybe they could talk to him. Maybe they could do something to try to help this man. And have you ever seen people, ever tried to reach out to people and it just seems like we cannot in ourselves help them? Maybe there's someone in your family right now and you've prayed and prayed and talked and talked and you just feel like in myself, I just can't seem to help them. Can I tell you that we need to focus not just on the practical, but on the spiritual. Can I preach right here for just a moment? And can I tell us very delicately as a church, as the church world, if we aren't careful, we will focus so much on being relevant. We'll focus so much on excellence. We'll so focus so much on the practical things and doing everything right. And we should, and we try to do those things. But if we aren't careful, we'll, we'll just take this mindset and we'll forget 
what the scripture tells us that it's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Can I preach with love? Can I preach with conviction to myself and to all of us this morning that yes, we want to do things right, but more than anything, yes, we wanna do things with excellence, but more than anything, we must have a moving of the power of the Holy Spirit. When we've done all we can do, when we've taught all we can teach, when we've preached all we can preach, when we've, when we've put plan in place after plan in place, but the results will come by the power of the living God. It is the spirit of God that needs to pass by our way again. It is the spirit of God that will break the chains that have so many bound. It is the spirit of God that will heal the wounds of the broken. But the good news is here, they had tried all of those practical things to no avail, but Jesus came on the shore. And Jesus caused the demons to flee from this man. They fled and went into a herd of swine, and the herd of swine went across the cliff and down into the river or body of water and drowned, just showing how powerful that enemy was that was in this man. But Jesus cast them out by his power. Jesus cast them out by his authority and by his great name. And Jesus began to put the pieces back together again. This man was broken, but Jesus put him back together again. You may sit here this morning, you say, Pastor, I have suffered emotional abuse or physical abuse or, or I have made bad choices and wrong decisions and I have strayed from God and I feel broken today. The good news is Jesus will pass by your way if you want him to. And he can take the pieces and put them back together. Oh, there might be some scars, but those scars can be your testimony. Those scars can be what you can show others, but what Jesus has done for you. I thought of just a little simple illustration this morning that I wanted to share. We have three little canisters that my wife has put periodically in various places throughout the house. She's always moving things around. But these are, I guess they tied to the um, set of I should have asked these questions before. Uh, they're, spe they're special. <laughs> they tie to like your set. What is that? Your dinner set that you get when you get married. Your, um, help me out here. China. Hallelujah. Yes, China. And so they tie into that. And so they're these special little canisters. And I noticed the other day, I was going to get something out of one of the canisters. And they're, the, they're set to three of them. And I looked at one of them and the lid on one of them was glued in about 18 different pieces, well, about eight different pieces, all together, but it's still on the canister. And ideally, typically me, can I just confess to you that typically I would look at something like that and I would say, oh my goodness, great day. Can't have anything. You ever said that? Can't have nothing. <laughs> you ever said that? Can't have nothing. Ideally, ever, you know, typically I would look at that and I'd say, great day. You know, these are these special canisters. Somebody's broken them. One of the kids could have been me and I forgot and just kind of blacked out. I don't know. But I would look at that and be upset. 
But that day, for some reason, I looked at it and I thought, and it had nothing to do with this sermon. I hadn't gotten that far with the sermon at that particular time. And I looked at it that day and for some reason, I saw it with different eyes. And for some reason, I thought, well, you know what? How neat, how neat. Kind of tells a story. This special collection, one part had been broken, but somebody had come in and taken the glue and they put it back together again. And now it was back where it would belong. Now it was there with the other ones. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, there's a story behind it and all is well. Didn't think anything more about that. And then I was sitting down Friday trying to finish this sermon. And I thought about that little lid again. And I thought how many times some of us have been broken into different pieces, but the master stopped by our way and he took this piece and took that piece and before long things started looking better again <laughs> and, he, and he glued us all back together and put us right back where we ought to be. And oh yes, we have scars, but that's all right. Our scars are our testimonies. Oh yes, it didn't look, you know, but that's our testimony. It shows the goodness of God, the grace of God. What are you saying, pastor? I'm just saying, if you're here this morning and you feel bound, if you're here this morning and you feel broken, I'm confident Jesus wants to pass by your way. I'm confident he wants to put the pieces of your life back together. I'm confident that an old scripture that says he'll give beauty for ashes is still in effect today. And Jesus passed by this man. I was reminded of that song, Are You Hurting and Broken Within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. But Jesus is calling. Then it goes on to say, Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. I urge us this morning, come to the altar, find Jesus, let him heal our hearts. Let him bring those broken pieces back together again. Look with me at verse 35. I'm not gonna preach much longer. Then they went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus. This was just some of the crowd. They found the man from whom the demons had departed. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. But this man wasn't afraid because he had been touched by the master's hand. Look down with me to verse 38, what the man did. He said, now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him, begged Jesus that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house. Turn to your own house and tell him what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Church, there's an application to this right here. Remember I said at the very beginning, I'm gonna say it here at the, at the closing. Some people help, some people hurt. This man who had been greatly hurt, after Jesus passed by, he became a great helper. He went all through the city, began to proclaim what Jesus had done for him. I'm gonna ask us to pray this morning. 
And I'm gonna ask us to pray about two things if, if you would be so kind to do so with me this morning. First, I want us to ask Jesus to pass by our way, our hearts, our lives, fresh and new. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I, I invite you to, as you pray that prayer, to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you know Jesus already, I, I invite you to pray and say, Lord, fresh and anew, walk by my way, help me. Maybe you're hurting, ask him to heal your hurt. Maybe you're confused, ask him for wisdom. Whatever it is you might need, but I just wanna encourage us to invite Jesus to pass by us as individuals before we leave here this morning. And then the second thing I want us to do is then to pray for Jesus to work through us that we can be of help to someone else who needs him to pass by their way. So would you stand with me this morning? And can we pray together today? Just right where we are. I know we can't do too much because of social distancing, but there's power in prayer wherever we're at. Would you just bow your head and let's just pray together right now. Lord, Lord, as we have assembled this morning and as the praise team has sung and we've worshiped you and we've sensed your great presence throughout this whole day and we sensed your great presence as we worshiped in song earlier today. Lord, as we have listened to your word that is so powerful, your word is powerful, your word is life-changing. So Lord, we pray as individuals right now. Lord, I just pray that each one of us would ask you to pass, pass by our lives afresh and anew. Lord, maybe it's an attitude that has crept in that we just need you to pass by our way and, and give us gentleness and kindness and goodness love, forgiveness, long-suffering, and tenderness. Maybe it's, maybe it's a worry, an uncertainty that we just need you to pass by and renew our faith this morning. Lord, pass by our way. Pass by each individual. Maybe it's a financial situation, a relational issue, a any number of things that it could be in hearts and lives. Maybe someone needs a physical touch from you. But Lord, we've heard your word. You came to this man at Gadaria intentionally. We ask, Lord, and we know that you have come intentionally for each one of us. You healed this man who was bound. You set him free. And Lord, I don't think you'll do any less for us if we ask. God, you put the pieces together. This man had many pieces that were scattered in many places, but you brought his brokenness back together. And Lord, I just pray that you would do no less for each of us. Now, Lord, the second part of our prayer and application to this sermon today, Lord, as you have passed by our way, as you've been so good and merciful and gracious and life-changing to us, would you help us to be part of the solution? Would you help us to determine to pass by someone's way and to show Jesus to them, to be a help to them? We thank you, Lord. We thank you even now for the working of your Holy Spirit that we sense in this house. Praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just remain standing, continue to pray, continue to pray.